0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington. In this episode, I interview Mackenzie Fly. She is a digital nomad and world traveler, and she happens to be my VA as well. So we we met through YouTube, and initially she helped me a lot with just YouTube stuff, thumbnails, descriptions, and all the admin, all the details of YouTube. But as we started working together more and more, she started helping me with whatever I needed help with, like affiliate sites, niche site project, my podcast, and so on. If this happens to be the first episode of the Doug show that you're listening to, that's awesome, thanks for checking it out. I encourage you to check out some of the other digital nomad interviews in this series. So there's like three or four others at least. And depending on when you're listening to this, there may be several more. So definitely check out some of the other interviews that I've done recently with digital nomads. Before I send it to the interview, I want to tell you two things. Number one, if you're interested in learning about my process for creating an affiliate site, which potentially can allow you to be a digital nomad and travel or at least make a little money on the side, you should go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and then I'll send you an email with a link to all sorts of goodies. So I, I freely give out all the templates that I use and that sort of thing. I'll put a link in the show notes just in case you're driving or something like that and you can't do it. So just check out the show notes whenever you get a chance. And the second thing is actually it's a little bit longer so I'll just I'll put a pin in it and we'll talk about it after the interview but my wife and I are selling our townhome by owner and we kind of went back and forth on whether to use a realtor or not and maybe giving it a shot so I'm going to talk about that a little bit after the interview so if you ever thought about you know trying to sell your place on your own I'll tell you where we are right now and the emotional roller coaster that we're going through. So here's the interview, and be sure to check out uh, Mackenzie on YouTube and Instagram. I will put links in the show notes. Give her a shout. Let her know you, that you uh, heard about her from The Duck Show. Hey, what's up? Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project. I'm with my friend Mackenzie. How are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you, Doug?
0: <laughs> Doing great. I'm enjoying the good weather. I can see the mountains. It's it's clear skies. It's not snowing today. So awesome. it's pretty nice. How how is it where you're at?
1: <laughs> um it's good. It's cold, but yes, no snow today, which was nice. So
0: <laughs> And actually this is a good segue. So where are you at right now?
1: So I'm um, in Berlin, Germany right now. You know, Germany in the winter months is very cold, especially in Berlin. It's very far north. So even if it's not snowing, uh, you know, temperatures are probably about just above freezing most most during the day.
0: And this is, again, a good segue. So you're obviously not German. You don't have a German accent. You're (laughs) a digital nomad. This is part of the Digital Nomad location independent series. And most people are watching right now, probably don't know who you are. So Mackenzie, can you give us a little intro? Why are you in Berlin? And how'd you get there? all that stuff.
1: Yeah, of course. So I'm also another YouTuber. I make uh, videos about being a digital nomad, travel, and also some like inspirational content as well. So basically how I got from being like living in the U S so the living here in Germany. Now I was working a, a typical nine to five job and I just kind of got fed up with it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to quit my job and move to Hawaii. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what I did. And then, um, I quit with no job or anything. I just decided to just go, take the leap, and I had some savings saved up. So that was kind of like my buffer. But quit my job, moved to Hawaii, and then uh went back home for a little bit, and then that's when I kind of found my uh teaching. So I teach English online and I do other things as well. So then went from home, which is Colorado, and then came here to Europe and I spent just the last month and a half traveling around and then came to Berlin and just decided to kind of settle here for a little bit. So that's gotcha. my, that's my story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. So, and, and it's, it's always a little shocking when, you know, you don't have a job in place, you didn't really have a plan. So like, I guess, h- how do you deal with that mentally? That, Cause that sort of freaks me out. Um, you know, I, I don't have kids personally. I know a lot of people do. Yeah. You, you don't have kids, right? No. Okay. Yeah. So it may be easier for people without kids to, to mm-hmm. do that, but even still, I'm like you didn't have a job, you moved, you had a little savings. Like so tell me like mentally what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was really scary. I remember telling myself this is a really stupid idea. Like I just I told myself that all the time like Mackenzie, you're being so stupid right now. You're being so irresponsible. But I think I just always knew in the back of my head that it was going to work out. Like I feel like I just kind of trusted that I was going to find the things that I needed to to find in order to support this lifestyle that I wanted and I was willing to like work towards that. So, you know, I kind of put the word out there that I wanted to find something remote and then I ended up, you know, making friends with people here on YouTube and that's how I got into like teaching and stuff. So, I think I just always knew in the back of my brain that I was going to work out even if maybe, you know, the the front part of my brain was like this is
0: so irresponsible. Like you shouldn't be doing this
1: right now. Right. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: cool. So, and tell me more about the the teaching gig? What, what's it like? How, how many hours do you have to put in? And I guess for people that may be interested in that like line of work, or at least to pick up some freelance hours, what could they expect? Yeah.
1: yeah. So basically, so I made friends with somebody on YouTube who is also an English teacher online. So I work for this company, it's called 5-1-Talk, and they teach kids in China. So I get to teach kids who are like as young as three and then also adults as well. But the great thing about it is it's so flexible. So I can either work 30 hours a month or I can work like a hundred hours a month or, you know, even more than that. Like it's, it's all completely flexible and whatever I want my schedule to be. And yeah, and it's really fun. You get to teach little kids. That's like really fun. And then also too, you know, it's, it's basically how much money you make is how much uh, work you want to put in. So if I'm, if I'm lazy really lazy a month I, I don't have to work that much but if I really want to make a lot of money and I'm like struggling, then I can teach as much as I possibly can and actually make like not bad money. So I really like that about that as well you know it just it just really depends how much work you want to put in.
0: What like experience level would a person need to have? To mm-hmm. get started,
1: so I know for this company you need a bachelor's degree, and they also are looking for native speakers as well. Or if you ha- if you got your bachelor's degree from like an English university, but I think they're really looking for native speakers, just because as a native speaker, it's very easy for us to just teach English because we've been learning English, you know, since we were kids and stuff. And so for me, it's very it's not very hard for me to to just teach English. So and then also accent too and slang and things like that. I think that it sounds weird to say, but like the Chinese market. Market. like they really love to have like native speakers teach their kids. So,
0: got it. Very yeah. cool. And <laughs> it's pretty neat because a lot of my audience they're into like the digital marketing and niche websites yeah. and there's a lot of like work you have to do before you can get paid, right? You could you could work for 4 yeah. or 6 months before you really see much money. But yeah. in a service type, you know, teaching industry, yeah. it's like it's a service, right? You do the work, you get paid right away. So that is a, probably a really nice way to bridge the gap to, you know, get into Absolutely. other stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely a means to an end at this point. Like, I definitely don't want to teach forever, and I think I do want to segue more into the digital marketing stuff because that was my background originally. Um, I was working for a tourism company and you know doing digital marketing for them for a couple of years. So, just teaching right now is just something that is like my main income while I start building up that base. But once that base is there, I think I'm definitely not going to teach anymore. <laughs> but it's it's a great segue, you know. And I've been doing it for I think almost six months now. So uh, maybe like five months. So and then, you know, this is when I'm finally starting to see maybe more of that client base building up. So yeah, it's just a means to an end at this point. So very cool.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned a couple times that you met with YouTubers who hooked you up with different ideas, and you made Mm -hmm. some good friends. Like, Mm -hmm. how long have you been on YouTube? Tell me about that journey.
1: Yeah, so I've been on YouTube for about two years now, which sounds really crazy. But yeah, so I at the first probably year, I didn't I feel like I wasn't very committed to it. I think it was until about um, the last year, I really started committing a lot more time and um, a lot more energy towards it. And that's when I really started to see kind of the growth. It's still growing right now. But um, I think once I like made made that mindset switch to be like, you know what, like maybe YouTube can actually be something that brings a lot of opportunities for me. That's when I started to put more energy into it. And then it's funny, once I did, that's when things started to kind of take off as far as like finding these other things as well. So making friends and building up those other sources of income. So that's really, really cool about YouTube. There's so many opportunities there, even if it's not just for like tons of subscribers, just meeting people and collaborating with them is a, a great resource in itself. So,
0: right. Yeah. And do you have any tips for people like networking on YouTube or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So I think the number one thing that I would say is I think there's like this saying that's like, be a fan to get fans. So what I like to do is if there's somebody that I really feel like I would connect with very well, I would just watch their videos all the time, commenting, um, not being like stalkerish, but just be leaving them a nice, (laughs) leaving them a nice comment, being like, I love your content. You know, I love this and this about it. And that's how I've made a lot of my friends that way, just being really supportive and very nice and never like, trying to promote myself because I feel like at this point, like YouTube is great, but I'm, I'm not just about that. Like I want to build this community. So yeah, just like being supportive of other people. Like you, you, you lift each other up and I think that's the most, the best way to become successful at something. So lift other people. So
0: very cool. And I think uh, it's funny, you mentioned the, the stalkerish thing, like don't be (laughs) stalkerish though. Just a tip for everyone. Don't be stalkerish in basically like anything you do but yeah. <laughs> it's super easy. You know, I'm a fan of YouTubers or podcasters and you yeah. spend so much time watching their content. You really yeah. personally, like you feel yeah. like you know them, but of course uh-huh. they have no idea who you are. So, uh-huh. you know, tread lightly as you're yeah. like well, making friends with people, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's like definitely a large gap between like the stalkers and like people who are just like cool and they just like want to be friends with you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think just like being like genuinely nice and like you know i i love when people are very active on my channel and i love watching like other people that i would love to like be friends with and being active on their channels and i I really think that's like the secret formula so just don't like send i'm not sure if i'm like allowed to say this but don't send like personal facebook messages like a ton of them saying like how much like you like want to marry me or something like that. That's a little bit too much, but other yeah, than that, you. <laughs> we <we're, laughs> <and> you're fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the Facebook messages, it's just a bit much. So yeah. Lay yeah. The, this. All,
1: this, all the social media stuff is, is a lot. So it's a lot to get started. <laughs> <Okay. like.
0: laughs> and shif- shifting gears a little bit. So you, you mentioned that you, you've traveled a decent number of places. I know that because we've had a couple of conversations already, but actually We'll do a quick callback here. We tried to record this like a couple of times last week and we had major <laughs> tech issues. Today, it seems to be working okay. But yeah. that's the reason why I know that you have traveled in a lot of places in a short <laughs> amount of time. Can you tell me the places that, that you went to and... And when did you start again?
1: So for this trip, I started in July. So that's when I went to Hawaii. I was in Hawaii for two months and I did go to the Big Islands while I was there, but I was mainly on Oahu. And then I was in Boulder, Colorado or Longmont, Colorado. That's where my family lives. And then I originally, when I came to Europe, I was in Sicily. So I did like a whole road trip around the island of Sicily. And then I went up to Rome and visited some of my YouTuber friends. Um, It was there for about 10 days. And then I went up to Munich to visit another YouTuber friend. And I was there for about a week. And then, yeah, I'm here. I've been in Berlin for two weeks now, a little bit over two weeks. So I'm kind of settled now. I think there was so much just traveling before. So now it it feels nice to just, you know, get a lot of work done and kind of be in one place. So,
0: right. Yeah. And a few of the other interviews that I've done And by the way, I could just throw in and say you, you visited Zoe in Rome, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I've known Zoe for a quite, quite a while. So, you know, she was going to be there and I was going to be in Italy. So it just kind of made sense. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, no, that was that was really, really nice to be able to spend some time with her
0: in her awesome. favorite country. So, <laughs> and I'll put, uh, so the reason why I mentioned that is I know Zoe also, she was on the channel. I interviewed her, so I'll put a link below so people can get to it. And I guess the other thing to point out is, so you're sort of settled right now. You were moving around a lot, which sounds super fun, but also mm-hmm. stressful when you're trying to work. So yeah. how do you deal with, I guess, traveling so much and then knowing that you do have to put in some hours to you know pay the bills and afford to travel as well?
1: Yeah. So I think with teaching, it's a lot more stressful because I need to have a really quiet environment. I need to have really good Wi-Fi and I can't have any like interruptions. So because it's really unprofessional when I'm teaching and my Wi-Fi is really bad and it keeps dropping the my classroom. So it's a little bit more difficult because, I mean, like, especially in Italy, the Wi-Fi was not that great. It was just kind of a struggle to always be looking for that and being, like, in the right spot and always having to figure that out. But I think it's just, like, making it a priority. So I would just have to kind of understand that I needed to make some sacrifices if I wanted to work. And that's kind of how... um yeah, I've, I've kind of had to deal with it, but then, you know, having like clients and stuff is really nice because then I can just go to a coffee shop and kind of, uh, still be out and be in the city and stuff, but I can still get a few hours in and, you know, do stuff after that. So yeah, that's kind hmm. of always, you know, you always have to make it a priority. Even if you're traveling, you can't always, uh, go out every day like you want to, but it's, it's that's a sacrifice it. worth, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. worth doing for sure.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So. so, in you know, On the idea of the digital nomad aspect versus location independent, this is a question that I've been asking people. So there's some distinction and I guess, do you draw a distinction between a digital nomad and someone who has a location independent job? And if so, like, you know, what are your thoughts about it?
1: Yeah, I think there definitely is a distinction. I think location independence, when I think of location independence, I don't think necessarily like traveling all the time. Maybe, you know, you, you do have like your nine to five job and you're like living in a different city. That's kind of what I think of that. And then digital nomad is like traveling. It's like, you know, backpacking with your laptop and you're going from place to place. And there, there are just like a little bit of different lifestyles, but I think they're still really nice, especially if you can find like a city that maybe isn't in your home country, but you can still work and live there. Um, That's also really nice. Or if you want to travel and be out of your backpack and just bring your laptop with you and, you know, trying to work in co-working spaces, that's also really nice too. So it just kind of, you know, depends on your, the lifestyle that you want to live, I guess.
0: Right. And I guess, I mean, you're almost doing like a blend where you you did a bunch of travel and then like you got to settle down and like, yeah. Relax yeah, for, for a minute.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think for me, I I started to notice like my back started hurting from my backpack and I was getting like kind of frustrated with like not having good Wi-Fi and stuff. And then also like not making as many like friends as maybe I wanted to. So that's kind of why I decided here in Berlin because Berlin is such a, a cool city because there's so many co-working spaces and entrepreneurs and digital nomads and stuff. And then also Wi-Fi is excellent here. They have great coffee shops. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've met tons of digital nomads here, location independent people. So it's nice to be in a city like that and just kind of relax and let my, my back heal from my backpack. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. right.
0: So when you like rewind like six months <laughs> ago when you were just about to, you know, move out to Hawaii. Who were you looking up to? Was anyone an inspiration specifically where you thought, hey, I want to like walk in their footsteps or anything like that?
1: I think definitely my friend Zoe was a, a big inspiration for me. She was one to really push me when I was really unhappy in my job to kind of take the leap and just be like, you know, it's just, it's going to work out for you. Like, no worries. So definitely for her, you know, she's, she's been such an inspiration for, for me for everything. But yeah, I mean, I was watching other YouTubers, like my, uh, my, another friend that I have Marie, her name is, um, dream in autumn on YouTube. She's the one that told me about uh, teaching English. She was also a huge inspiration for me as well. And then also just like, kind of just knowing that that was the path that I was going to eventually take as well. So, gotcha. <laughs> so yeah.
0: So like, uh, what was your degree in?
1: I studied, uh, international
0: relations. Okay. So like you got your degree and you were like, Hey, like, I'm not sure what I want to do. And you ended up in like a digital marketing type position.
1: Yeah. So I ended up traveling after university. So I did like a six month backpacking trip. I went to like China and India and then I came here to Germany actually. And that's why I wanted to move to Germany eventually. Um, cause I loved it so much. And after that, I really, I just kind of knew, like I met a lot of freelancers and people that were doing, um, digital marketing. And I also had like a little travel blog. So I knew like I wanted to maybe segue into YouTube videos and stuff like that. And then that's kind of when I was like, okay, I need to start making steps to get involved in this digital marketing marketing area. And then I think also having like that work experience, like even though the desk like wasn't fun, I think it was really nice working for like a company or an association to kind of give me that foundation of experience. And then I think that was when I felt comfortable to be like, okay, I know I do have skills that I can potentially market to get clients for. So
0: So you've been YouTubing for a couple years, you said you haven't taken it seriously until more recently. Can you tell me sort of like your channel's growth and like, I guess when you hit something where, you know, Hey, this is a great topic. I'm going to do more of it. I'm interested and the audience likes it.
1: I think digital nomadness right now is a huge trending topic. You know, you're doing like an interview series with it. So it's a, it's a huge topic right now. And I think once I started to segue into that and be like, hey, like, I, especially when I was in Hawaii, like I started making videos of me being in Hawaii and vlogs and stuff and then showing like, okay, like I'm living in Hawaii because I'm like an English teacher and I work online and stuff. And then those started to really kind of take off. That was when I really kind of saw, saw the growth that was a potential and I think even right now especially me coming to Europe and like meeting with all of my YouTuber friends that I most of them I hadn't met in person before that also really helped with growth collaborating with them and stuff like that and so it's just kind of been uphill from here you know just a, a huge spike so it's it's been really awesome actually like I feel like on a, like a different a different level
0: being here yeah. cool <laughs> so, congrats yes yeah,
1: yeah. thank you well you've been growing a lot as well <laughs> it's been Thanks, pretty awesome
0: yeah. Well, like you said, it's just like, it's a lot of work <laughs> to to make the videos yeah. and, you know, come up with ideas. And then, well, mm-hmm. one one thing that I've noticed, and I'm curious to get your take on it is people want to hear about a topic. And I feel like maybe I've said everything about that given topic, whatever it may be. <laughs> However, mm-hmm. there's still a lot more to be said, even if I'm just repeating myself in a lot of ways, just yeah. taking a different perspective on it. So it's not that I'm bored of the topic it's just I thought we already talked about that but uh, do you <laughs> see do you see a similar thing on your channel topics and stuff Oh,
1: oh yeah definitely I mean I think everybody kind of takes something different from it and so maybe that's why it, it like the different perspectives kind of works because maybe people resonate with one perspective more than the other. But yeah, sometimes like with teaching, like sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, like so many like questions and so many different things. Like, but I thought I said that already, but people still don't under quite understand like how it works. So it's, it's just, it's, it's something that, you know, I mean, it can always provide, you know, fresh content, even if, you know, you've already kind of repeated yourself.
0: (laughs) Right. just to be clear, I'm sure you'll agree with me again here, but we love answering the questions and doing the videos. Yes, of course. Yes. And then the other part that is, you know, it's it's obvious once I step back, it's like any given video could be the first time someone sees any of your content. Yeah, and absolutely. even if you have 150, 350 other videos, they may have not seen any of them. And it'll be great if they go through the archive, but like any given video could be the starting yeah. point. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And yeah, you never know. You never know who it'll who will see it and who maybe it'll change their life as well. So,
0: right. I like to think about it like that as too. So, how do you come up with like video ideas and you're just your process? Do you outline it? Do you just talk just Straight to the camera and don't worry about it. Like, just tell me about the process.
1: So, I mean, I go through my day and I kind of, i I'll like carry like a notebook with me. So like I have like my notebook here that I'll write down ideas. I was doing it like on my computer, on my phone, but I've, I've lost sometimes my ideas <laughs> from technology. <laughs> so I like to just write them down and, um, yeah, I just, whatever I think of something like, Oh, you know, I wonder how this works or how, or maybe, Oh, how, what is my process in this? Oh, it'd be great to make a video on that. I'll, I'll just kind of think about it like that. And then, yeah, usually I'll write out like a small outline, just my talking points. But then other than that, no, I just completely wing it. Yeah. I don't usually <laughs> okay. do any, much research or anything like that, but how about you, do you do a lot of research or do you just kind of talk
0: so it's a blend, right? So some of them, are uh, like if it's just like on screen type tutorials, then mm-hmm. I can, I'll still outline it just to make sure I don't waste time trying to find stuff. It makes editing yeah. easier later. And mm-hmm. then there are some videos, some of my, my best videos, I've scripted it out. I actually have like a teleprompter and mm-hmm. I have like the, well, say it's, it's an app on my iPad, which is not next to me. I was about to hold it up, but it has like the the glass setup and mm-hmm. it looks awesome. It cleans up my delivery. And and for my course that I have, it's all uh-huh. done with a teleprompter. Everything's super intentional with the course. For YouTube, it's a little more natural. If people watch my videos, you realize mm-hmm. it's a freaking mess sometimes. And, you know, there's a lot of poor editing in there. It's gotten better um, over time. But yeah, a lot of times, like these days, I'll have like a loose outline. I'll just write like on a legal pad or whatever, and just have like a little outline to talk from and just make Mm -hmm. sure I'm not going on too big of a tangent. So
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, the outline really helps with the editing. Because sometimes I... (laughs) I, if I don't have much of an outline, then I'm just rambling on and on. And then when I go back to edit, I'm saying like, and, um, and all these other things way too much. Cause I'm just trying to sort through my thoughts, but having like an outline in front of you really, really helps with the editing. It cuts down on so much time.
0: Okay. So <laughs> you do your own editing then?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do my own editing. Okay. Um, I just use, yeah, I just use iMovie. It's free and really simple. I, I like simple. When it's really complicated, sometimes it it takes a long time to learn. And I've I've been using iMovie for a couple of years. So I
0: right. I know it pretty well. So it's just faster. Yeah. And I'm definitely a fan of like just keeping things simple. And I used iMovie for a while until I I moved over to do some of the screen flow type stuff and I use an app called S- yeah. Screen Flow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's I mean, it's fine. Again, once you get over the learning curve, then it it can do what we need to do most likely. So
1: yeah, for sure. I've been like looking into doing um, or using Premiere because I, I love like Adobe products, but I think I'm still a little bit scared of it because it, it is like a kind of a, a bigger step, I guess, in the editing process.
0: Right. <laughs> I'd skip it. So. I like if unless you get a gig where you're doing video editing, <laughs> but I've used, I think it was like Premiere. What, what is the typesetting app that they have? It's It's like what publishers use, right? Super powerful. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah almost, well, for me, it was like almost impossible to use. Like I couldn't like change the line spacing or the font. Yeah. I, it was a, it was a total mess. Cause I don't know how to use it. So I had to hire yeah. someone to just like, like format a book for me. Basically, <laughs> So it, it was really tough because I, I don't use Adobe stuff. So I would yeah. say unless you have to just, so, and, and still geeking out on the YouTube stuff, just cause I'm interested mm. in it. What kind of camera do you use? What's your gear look like? Just curious about all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So, um, right now oh, I don't have it around me. I, I, otherwise I would show it. So I just have a Canon 70d and I just use the stock lens to be honest. And then I also have like an external mic. It's just a road video mic. Actually I have it. It just looks like this. Cool. Um, so it's, Super great quality sound and it's pretty easy to travel with. I mean it is like a little bit big. And then yeah, I just have like a small camera bag and some extra batteries and, and then I do travel with a tripod, but it, it can condense pretty small. I just got it like on Amazon. I condense this pretty small so I can like my uh my bag pretty easily. So
0: gotcha. Cool. And I it's yeah. funny, I looked at the 70 D <laughs> and decided to get a T7i, but you've been doing this longer, so you probably got the 70 D. A little while back, uh-huh. right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So i I got it. Um, yeah, probably like almost three, two and a half, three years ago. So I've cool. had it for a while. Yeah, so it lasts pretty long. I mean, it's been all over the world with me. So and it's yeah. hasn't been or anything. So I'm pretty yeah. happy with.
0: It. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, super heavy duty. Definitely like a pro pro version. I know it's a little it's a little heavy, right?
1: Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking into getting like a a Canon G7 X for sure. Just because of vlogging with it, I'm doing more vlogging stuff now and I just, it's really heavy to carry around with me. And I also, sometimes I feel like it makes me kind of like a target. I mean, in Germany, it's okay. But like when I was traveling around like India and stuff, I think I really felt like a target when I would bring it out. So just having like a smaller camera with me to just kind of duck in my purse, I think would be smarter for me to vlog with.
0: Gotcha. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about traveling. Were you traveling alone in India?
1: Yeah, I was traveling alone in India. So that was um, a really big concern of mine. And I also I got some things stolen when I was in India as well. So I think I became extra careful after that happened. I tried to not like bring too much attention to myself. So
0: sure. Do you have any tips for like single females traveling to India or maybe you know another similar place where you would you would stand out as a you know a caucasian woman?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the number 1 tip is just to respect the culture. So, like in India it's very conservative. So, you have to make sure that you dress appropriately and that you act appropriately. Like if you're traveling with say a boyfriend, make sure that you're not doing too much PDA and make sure, you know, you're not wearing like short shorts or anything that shows like really legs that much. Cause I don't know in India, like it's, it's okay to like wear like a sari and show your belly. But as far as like, like legs go, it's not necessarily deemed like modest. So yeah, just respecting the culture of wherever you're at and kind of the, the different ways that they, they live their life, I think is a a really, really big one. And also just being aware, like awareness is such a huge thing with traveling. So just make sure like if somebody is like standing really close to you, like make sure, okay, like this person is here and I need to like watch my bag. We need to make sure, you know, I'm like ready to like leave in case like something happens. So I think just always being on guard and aware, probably the, the number one thing, but honestly, like I feel like females, it can travel anywhere. It's just, it's just having that level of awareness for sure.
0: Cool. Yeah. Good advice. I had. Um, a friend of mine went to India and she actually didn't have a great experience. Uh, I don't think she she got Mm. sick, right? She ended up getting sick and had some issue, like some health issues there, Mm. which was scary. Mm -hmm. And her family was here. So it was a little challenging overall, but yeah, it's just, yeah, uh, it's It's, a long way to be.
1: Yeah, for sure. Getting sick in India is a is a real thing. You have to be really, really careful. I was lucky. I never got sick, but I also was kind of staying put when I was in India. I only traveled to a couple of places. And I was also in the south, which I think is a little bit more I don't know, their their food there isn't as like spicy and it's not I don't know, it's just a little bit a little bit different. Was she up north, do you know, or was she in the south? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I've heard like they have a thing called like deli belly <laughs> that you get. Yeah, that's like you can get like super sick. But I think for me I was like staying in one place where they had like filtered water and stuff.
0: So I'm gonna go back. I'm jumping around like crazy, but for people <laughs> that are interested in like moving from a corporate job to something more location independent, do you have any, you know, tips or I guess just any advice for someone in that position?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing is trust that it's going to work out. Like I said before, I think if it's something that you want to do, I think life is definitely too short and just look at the skills that you have and like kind of figure out, okay, maybe, maybe give yourself six months worth of living expenses and savings to kind of get you from that transition of, you know, finding whatever work that you want to do. Or if, you know, if you want to like build websites or something, building up your portfolio and stuff like that. So just kind of being prepared, but also just knowing that it's, going to, it's going to work out for you and it's really scary, but you're going to be happy that you did. <laughs> right. So. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> yeah. so any big goals for you in 2018?
1: I think definitely be able to stop teaching. I think that's probably my, my number one thing being able to to kind of move forward career-wise in more digital marketing, not so much with the teaching. And oh, I'm trying to think what else, honestly, at this point, I feel like I'm living like my goals that I, <laughs> that I wanted. And so that I wanted to achieve me here, being here in Berlin and kind of being settled is a way for me to figure out what I want those goals to be, I guess. If that makes any sense. <laughs> maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's not the right answer, but I feel like set these huge goals of being a digital nomad and like living here in, in Germany for the next couple of months that now I got there and it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> now what yeah. I <laughs> yeah. so I'll it, keep you updated. <laughs> it,
0: it makes total sense because like you set some, some big goals where mm-hmm. they were great because you didn't know, like when you were in say Longmont, right? You couldn't Mm -hmm. have drawn the line how you ended up in Berlin. It didn't make sense at all. (laughs) So now that you've made it to some place where you're like, I'm happy, you're going to have to, you know, you're in a different like location, like geographically and personally, right? Mm -hmm. You're spiritually, you're in a different spot. So now you have to see what you can see from there, I guess, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, I think for me, like putting more energy into YouTube as well is also a big goal, you know, being more successful with that and stuff like that and setting goals with that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Being in a completely different place, location wise, and also spiritually and personally, it's kind of like this reevaluation period, which I think is like, it's it's pretty cool. Because yeah, you're right, these huge goals that I achieved. And it's like, wow. Well, out <laughs> yeah, there now now i'm like okay well it's like it's it's amazing because now i get to be creative with them i get to finally start um, creating the life that i that i feel like i want to live so that's that's the exciting part about it
0: so so cool all right well, where can people find you Mackenzie? where do you want people to go
1: Yeah. So you can find me here on YouTube. Just, um, you can just, uh, Google or YouTube, my name Mackenzie fly. And then also you can find me on Instagram as well. I'm, uh, an Instagram addict, so I'm always on there.
0: (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, we'll put links below so we won't have to try and spell it out or anything like that. We'll make it really easy for people to get to them. So thanks Mackenzie. Really appreciate the time and have a great day.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Doug. (laughs)
0: Thanks a lot to Mackenzie for taking the time out to tell us your story. Really appreciate it. So everyone be sure to check out Mackenzie's YouTube channel and her Instagram. All right, let's talk about selling your home by owner. Now, this is, depending on when you listen to this, um, you may be hearing some of this out of order. In fact, I may be just telling the story out of order a little bit, but I think I may actually just do some episodes where, you know, I talk about the, this experience, I plan on documenting it fairly well. Now, my wife and I, before we met, we actually both had homes. And because of our age, I think, we, we uh, bought our homes probably like the worst time that you could buy a house or any real estate in the last like 100 years. So we bought our places in late 2005. So that was like the height of the market. And we thought we were being responsible, you know, responsible adults who just got jobs and we each bought a home, you know, different locations and all that stuff. Like I said, we didn't know each other, but it turned out to be a really bad time to buy a house. And both of us lost a ton of money. I actually had a foreclosure um, in my situation and, you know, you learn a lot through those situations and it, you know, that's a whole other story for another day. It was a strategic foreclosure. I'll just tell you a little bit. It was a strategic foreclosure, and we basically ended up um, just letting the bank, you know, auction off the place. And um, it didn't really hurt my credit. So that's the thing no one really talks about. If you're generally a financially, you know, responsible person, if you have a foreclosure, not that big of a deal. The other caveat is I knew I wasn't going to be borrowing any money in the near future, so. Anyway, let's get back to the story about selling your place yourself. I would say I am very much uneducated in the real estate area. When I bought my home before, I think um, I just like randomly got matched up with a real estate agent who contacted me because I filled filled out some form on like Zillow or something like that. And She seemed moderately helpful. You know, she kind of guided me through the process. One of my friends referred me to a mortgage broker who, again, he seemed nice and helpful. But, you know, I didn't really know anything. I was like 25, you know. So um, in hindsight, I am now more aware that everyone has different incentives. People care about different stuff. And the point was made really well in, in the book called Freakonomics, if you haven't read it, um, you should check it out or like listen to the audiobook or something. But they give an example of a real estate agent um, being very willing to accept a lower price for a home. This is the selling agent if you're uh, paying attention. So they don't really care if the selling price is like, you know, ten dollars or $20,000 higher or lower because they're only getting a 3% commission. And the buyer's agent usually gets a three percent commission too. So when you you know run the math, it's only a couple hundred bucks for that agent. So basically, if the selling agent can sell the place more quickly, they are able to move on to another house faster. The point being, the seller, uh, the seller's agent may not really have the seller's best interest in mind. And in the book. For economics, I don't remember the exact stat. I don't have it in front of me right now. But it basically said if a real estate agent is selling their own home, they will usually hold out longer for a better offer versus taking a lower offer. And the thing is, the agent, your seller, your seller's agent, that person is advising you and they're like, oh, you know, you should take this offer or not take that offer or you should accept it or whatever. So they may not have, and maybe they're great. You know what? Maybe they're fine. But as I stepped back and like observed, you know, incentives for people, I kind of felt like, and I'm sure the real estate agent folks are going to be real upset at me, but I kind of felt like, in um, the car dealers, because I'm about to say something about car dealers and salesmen. But basically, a home is just a bigger purchase than an automobile, but you have the same sort of dynamics in play. In fact, it's a little bit more complicated, in my opinion, selling real estate. However, just because something's complicated doesn't mean I'm not going to give it a shot. So that is why um, we are listing our, our house uh, for sale on our own. And we've listed it on Uh, Craigslist so far. And I think, you know, we could be totally wrong, but I think we have sort of a rare uh, type of home in that there's not that many. It's a two, two, right? So two bedroom, two bathroom. There's not that many that are this size in this price range. So there's a couple of them. um, And and it's in the, uh, it's like, we're listing it for 272 currently right now. Um, but anyway, there's some others that are like premium, uh, like premium custom homes that are like 450, that are a little bit smaller than our place. But anyway, the point is we we felt like we had a scarce place, right? There's not that many like it, and I was trying to figure out. And we're also moving in a very short time frame, like in less than one month. So I was trying to figure out how we could test the theory of like selling our home ourselves and saving that, you know, three to 6% potentially versus listing it with an agent. So my thought was, and my, my wife and I discussed this to try and figure out a plan that wouldn't uh, put us in some kind of weird position. But basically we're like, Hey, let's list it um, ourselves for sale by owner. We'll, you know, take advantage of the channels that we can to let people know about it. And we'll give it a few weeks. We'll give it a month or two. We want to test the theory to see if our place is actually as scarce as we think it is. If it's not, we'll know pretty quickly that we need the help of a professional. I think the big gap that we have, actually, there's multiple gaps, but the big gap that we have is like actually showing the house, right? I I have no clue. I've only looked at a couple houses myself and been hanging out with a real estate agent, you know, and... I mean, I think a lot of it is what the person's looking for. If it happens to be the right house at the right time for the right person, it doesn't matter like, how, like what I'm doing. It doesn't matter how I'm showing the house or if I'm baking cookies and ma- making it smell like vanilla or whatever to entice the person. Like if the person doesn't want the house, they're not going to get it. But if it's the right combination, you know, if it's the right combination of size and location and convenience and all that kind of stuff of course the price is important but um that's that's listed right no one's going to come and look at the place if it's outside the price range or maybe you know they have a huge budget and they know they don't want anything in this price range so that is how we're testing it we're gonna we're listing it as quickly as we can in fact it's a mess because we're like still trying to like, we're trying to pack up some stuff and kind of organize some things. So it's like a disaster right now. That said, we're like, how, f- how fast can we get this up? Do we need to take new pictures or can we use the old ones? We're like, ah, you know what? We'll just use pictures that we have um, from when we, right when we moved in, you know, who cares? We'll just get those up. Even though we've like painted, we put a new floor, there's carpeting, all that kind of business. So Anyway, we're giving it a shot. It's very exciting, and I can tell you. It is uh like Friday afternoon when I'm recording this. It is a Friday afternoon when I'm recording this, and we listed it on Craigslist, and within like 40 40 minutes or so, I had an email of someone who is actually going to come and look at it tomorrow morning. She had alerts set up on her uh on her price range and location and all that stuff. A little tidbit. If you're a, if you're a fan of the Doug show and the YouTube channel, you may know I have a dog named Georgie, who is a border collie and actually referenced, uh, my dog and put some pictures in the Zillow listing. And I, I just wanted to show it off. A lot of people have dogs here in Bozeman, Montana. And sure enough, the person that I talked to said that she had a border collie and she actually noticed, um, the copywriting that I did. And she was like, oh Yeah it really sounded interesting because it hit the points that she was actually interested in because it was the stuff that I, I would want to uh, tell someone about. It's like why I like the house. So I will keep you posted on this whole, uh, for sale by owner. Now the other big gap <laughs> this is funny. The other big gap is I'm like reading a website on like how to sell a house. Um, I don't know anything. I, I literally, I I don't know like the process that we're going to go through, but my understanding is a lot of people have done, you know, have done this before, so I'm sure we can figure it out. And my understanding is the uh like title agency usually handles the title company. They usually handle a lot of it. So I'm hoping that is the case, but it's funny because uh a little bit earlier, Elizabeth was asking me like, all right. You, you got it listed. If somebody comes here and wants to put an offer on the house, like what happens next? Do you know what to do? And I froze and I had a blank look on my face and then I was like, they would have to give us an offer in writing. So I, I mean, I kind of know some of the working pieces, you know, but I mean, the broad strokes is all I know. Luckily, th- this is probably a pretty good chance that whoever buys or whoever is interested is probably working with a buyer buyer buyer's agent. So they will have some representation and someone who knows what the fuck is going on. Cause that'll be really helpful seeing as we don't really know what we're doing. I knew this was a longer topic than, uh, than I I was initially thinking. Cause now I'm thinking of like more and more of the process. So another reason that we decided to give this a shot is because it's probably not the very last house that we're ever going to sell. And Most likely, this is probably one of the smaller and and cheaper homes that we will own if we own another place in the future. But we figured this is a good time. This is a good way for us to learn the process. So let's say in 10 or 15 years, we want to sell whatever home we're living in then. And maybe it'll be a lot more expensive. So any kind of mistakes that we make, will be much bigger in the future than if we try it now on this, you know, fairly small starter home more or less and it'll just be a little bit easier the consequences will be a little bit less and even if it if this goes a little rough and i make some mistakes most likely it's going to be cheaper than having a real estate agent sell it for us most likely And I will be able to learn from it. So it's like a learning experience slash saving some money slash doing something new. And we're going to give it a shot. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of The Doug Show. And if you like this interview with Mackenzie, you should definitely check out the other Digital Nomad interviews. They are good too. If you are new to the show, that is cool. Have a listen to a couple couple other episodes. Maybe you could subscribe if you like it. If you do like it, leave a review, leave a rating in whatever you use to listen to podcasts. If you use iTunes, that's even better. That's really where I want you to leave a review and rating. So if you have the opportunity to, it would be awesome. Thanks a lot. And we will catch you on the next episode.